Green Street Joinery and the American Craftsman Podcast are proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist in Montana, USA. With numerous patents dating back to the invention of the Hexshank system by our founders, we strive to produce accessories that add precision, flexibility, and efficiency to your toolkit. In addition to woodworking tools, we produce many high-quality cutting tools that are used by the aerospace, medical, automotive, and industrial markets. Our end product has a fit and finish that is beyond comparison. Montana brand tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. For 10% off your order, visit montanabrandtools.com and use the coupon code AmericanCraftsman. Welcome back, everybody. We're here uh, continuing on with the shaker period yeah. of furniture. Yeah. We left you last, uh, last week with a question about the shakers. Yeah. Are you buying in? Yeah. We're, uh, jury's out. <clears throat> That's for sure. Excuse me. I have to admit that I went into these shaker episodes much more, um, a fan. Mm-hmm. Or believing I was a fan, right? Not knowing that much about him, um, but I came away a little bit cynical. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel kind of the same way. I didn't know, uh, you know, a ton about the Shakers, not the specifics. You know, knew the overarching kind of ideas and stuff, but um, yeah, now it kind of feels less impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and. I, I don't know what to make of, like, their sort of one foot in and one foot out kind of thing. Yeah. They seem to contradict themselves. But I guess that just comes with the... Being human? Yeah, being human and trying to set up any kind of really um, austere kind of uh, living arrangement. It's, yeah. It's, you know, they, they don't live in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So... Um, well, this episode, we're going to talk about the furniture. Okay. This is, uh, and I've titled it Form Follows Function. Right. Because that's kind of how they looked at it. Mm-hmm. In, in our world, we like to sort of marry the two. Yeah. You know, we want everything to be pleasing. We want it to, you know, accentuate the materials, our craftsmanship, and... We also want it to function. We're not like, um, <laughs> I don't know why I should, I'm not going to point out any particular people, but like, you know, the stuff on social media where it's like, oh, that's cool, but it, it, this this doesn't work in the real world. Yeah, like a chair that's like made out of concrete and it's just like a 90 degree. Yeah, yeah. Our stuff, to sell it, it has to work into somebody's life. Right. I mean, otherwise, nobody's buying our stuff to set up on a pedestal and just look at. Uh, yeah. Right. They This has to, you know, if, if it's next to their bed, they got to be able to open that drawer night after night. It's got to work yeah. seamlessly. The chair's got to be comfortable. The bookcase has to, you know, hold up all the books. There's all these things to me. The coat closet has to fit a coat. Yeah. I'd say <laughs> at this point, the business is really function based because um most of our most of our clientele comes to us because the function is so specific that they can't find it mm-hmm. otherwise 
Um, not saying that that it'll always be that way or, or, uh, or not, but that's what most of our jobs are. It's like, well, we have this specific function that we need to achieve and I can't buy it and I can't, or I can't find anybody else to make it. So, um, that's like where a lot of our business comes from, I think. Yeah. Would you say that we kind of design from the inside out in that regard where... I'd say most times our hands are tied yeah. because we have uh, these function and spatial um, constraints that we have to meet that, you know, sometimes parts of the aesthetic have to be sacrificed because there's just, there's no way to, to make it work. Right, right. Yeah. Um, the space requirement's always a biggie, mm-hmm. you know, how it fits into their home, into the space in their home. And then they usually want to cram as much into it as possible. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and So we're kind of like balancers of these things. We, we want to express, and we want to express our own artistic styles as well. Yep. Um, so we're, we're we're pleasing many many people with the final design, yeah, including ourselves generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so shaker furniture form follows function. Ideally, our furniture can reveal something about how we live and what we value. Um, I I kind of like that statement. Yeah, but in reality, other factors like cost space and what is available in the marketplace ends up limiting us or diverting us from our true values. Yeah, like uh, I have um, this uh, bathroom vanity upstairs that I bought at, I don't remember if it was Home Depot or Lowe's, Mm -hmm. and it is the biggest piece of junk. (laughs) But I wasn't going to make it another piece of furniture, you know. I just vanity. I couldn't do it. I need it now. I do. And I'm not me. And, like, it's got, like, one of those toe kicks that's an add-on piece of, like, eighth inch. Oh, yeah. And it, like, bubbles out. I I mean. Made out of MDF in a bathroom. Yeah. It's. Every time I stare at it, it's been there for, like, you know, 20 years. I still bristle at it. We could crank out a vanity. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not coming out because the way it went in, like the tiles around oh, it and everything. Yeah. It was, it's really, oh, like one of the doors like rubs on the tile when you open it up. Yes. It's it's a real clown show. But um, I think I had to like lift it up and like drop it down into the space space because when i took the old one out there was no tile back there uh-huh. so i had to get one that fit exactly in the spot oh yeah yeah, yeah. You know? I know what you're talking about. like the they tiled tile. they tiled up, up to the there. old vanity That's like the the linoleum <laughs> in my kitchen same thing yeah. they went up to the cabinets <laughs> so what you got is what you got now yeah and that's that is the reality cost space time what's available mm-hmm. um even people like us we're, we're big talkers and we're pretty big walkers too yeah um but we can't do it all the time uh so we might believe that form should follow function but own an uncomfortably lumpy hand-me-down desk chair what oh i see 
we might believe that for you know i i sometimes i um i'm too uh i'm 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 writing in too with too much prose <laughs> We might believe that form fo- should follow function, but we own an uncomfortably lumpy hand-me-down desk chair. That's our compromise. Or we might fantasize about huge, snuggly sofas, but only be able to haul a spindly love seat up the stairs. Yeah. Um, I barely got my king-size uh, bed up the up the stairs over here. Yeah. So it, it's inspirational to look at the Shakers, a religious sect who designed their homes and furnishings to be strictly in line with their values and ideas, and in the process, help shape modern style in general. So, yeah, they, they I mean, we may not agree with all the talk, but they walk the walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to use that cliche again in this episode. Some of the most enduringly popular American antique furniture known as Shaker Style, was made not by a single designer, but by a group of people who shared a set of beliefs and an aesthetic. At its height, I'll remind you, the Shaker movement included some 6,000 members living in 19 villages, stretching from Maine to now Indiana. Well, It was uh, Ohio before. They're, they're getting yeah, west. Kind of, well, it's kind yeah. of north, no? Uh, no, you go Ohio... I thought Indiana sat on top of Ohio. No, Indiana, let me think. Indiana is next to Illinois. Yeah. And, Ohio and that's next Lake Pens- Michigan. Ohio is next to Pennsylvania. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, is Ohio on? No, Ohio's on top of Kentucky. No, Indiana is on top of Ohio. Oh, no, on top of Ohio? Yeah. That's Lake Erie. No. <laughs> We're going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> oh, I guess it is. Yeah, it is west. I didn't know that Ohio shared had so much. Uh, Lakefront? Yeah. Hmm. Who knew? So is Ohio next to Indiana? Yeah, and then Michigan's on okay. top of both. All right. I didn't even know that Michigan and Ohio shared a border. Me either. Well, you learn something new every day. So, um, the Shakers... The uh, Shakers invented Ohio. <laughs> that's all, That's only funny if you <laughs> listen to last week's episode. <laughs> they invented maps, too. <laughs> they stretched from Maine to Indiana. Um, uh, yeah, this tiny group of people, 6,000 in total at their height... They had a pretty impressive impact on American style and design. Um, well, I, I hope we can uh, figure out why that is. Mm. The Shakers believe that ostentatiousness was self-indulgent and sinful, so they avoided anything that could be considered showy. They had limited resources and used them as economically as possible as an expression of gratitude for their provision in the first place. All right, so what's the result of their modesty? A style of furniture that is the embodiment of the adage, form follows function. Well, maybe, right? I mean, the trestle table was form follows function. Yeah. 
Furniture was made thoughtfully with functional form and proportion. Rather than using ornamentation, such as inlays, carvings, metal poles, or veneers, which were seen as prideful or deceitful, they developed creative solutions, such as asymmetrical drawer arrangements and multi-purpose forms to add visual interest. Now, I really dig the asymmetrical drawer arrangement. I always thought yeah. that that was a stickly thing. We're talking about te- like big at the bottom and small at the top? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, haven't we seen that in some of these? I mean, what about high, the high boys? Yeah. They didn't have all the same size drawer. No. Um, I mean, we are talking about some overlap in terms of time periods here, but... Yeah, we're, we're sort of poking more holes in what the Shakers are credited with inventing, I'm going to say. It seems like there's been a lot of misappropriated credit yeah. given or taken. Yeah. yeah. I think um, it's probably given. That's my impression. Yeah. They, that, you know, someone starts to study the Shakers and say, wow, you know, these guys are, they got some good ideas and this and that, and things start, you know, getting attributed to them. You know, it it makes me think uh, back to you remarking there were so many Shaker pieces at the Met, which is a really important museum. Yeah. Um, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. Um, and that may have influenced what we as a, a culture or a society know of the Shakers and believe about them. Yeah. You know, a couple of highfalutin... Uh, folks got it, you know, being their bonnet about the Shakers. Mm-hmm. Said, this, this stuff is great. You know, look at all the things that we can attribute to them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Look at a guy like Duncan Fife. Right. Or like Thomas Sheridan. You know, people who are contemporaries of the, of the Shakers. Mm-hmm. What they were doing was so much... More advanced, right? And yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You're right. Um, and Fife is just sort of like, a, and he's not a footnote. He's one of the main players, but he's just kind of like one of the guys who came to fame in the Empire and sort of the end of the Federal period. Yeah, I mean, you hear casual woodworkers talking about the Shakers and how great they were, but you never hear anybody talking about Duncan Fife. No, you know, unless you're like a real Furniture nerd. nerd. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, an antiques person. Right, right. Um, Well, here's an unknown quote that may or may not describe the Shakers. Simplicity carried to an extreme becomes elegance. You know... Still not finding the elegance or sophistication that... um, keeps getting referred to yeah i can i can see that in some maybe other uh designs like maybe more asian design like a japanese thing comes to mind where there there's a certain amount of elegance to it and there's definitely simplicity Mm -hmm. but the shakers look a little bit their stuff looks a little bit clunky compared to elegant yeah it's austere, like you said before. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the adjective that I think of. So let's uh, remind ourselves of the characteristics of Shaker furniture. 
native woods with natural finishes, high quality materials throughout, gentle tapers and curves with simple turnings, understated, <laughs> yeah, for sure, high levels of craftsmanship, uh, which together with high quality materials equals longevity, uh, and traditional joinery, mortise and tenon, dovetail joinery, uh, wooden poles, usually that mushroom shape, and uh, an honesty in their design, they like to call it, the form following function, simplicity, utility, nothing overwrought. And uh, they, uh, they sought to apply harmony and balance and order to every aspect of their daily lives. And furniture is such a huge part of our environment, our indoor environment. So I'm, I'm sure they gave it a lot of thought. Yeah. So uh, let's admire some Shaker Classic furniture here. Here's the box. Everybody knows the shaker box. If yeah. you don't, it's an, a wooden oval box with the with that. What would you call that? La, that those that tongue, that dual tongue in the. Yeah, I'm not sure what the name for it would be. Um, but they made these things. Yeah, it's a bent, a thin bent. Um, wooden oval box yeah um by the hundreds maybe the thousands probably they have uh, you know they're nailed um right usually yeah i think they nail them and like bend over the inside of the nail like a uh what they call that we talked about that in colonial Here's a little bit bigger one. Mm-hmm. Three teeth. Definitely cool looking. Oh yeah, I mean this. I I don't I don't know of any other box before the Shakers did this. Yeah, I, we could uh, we could certainly attribute the Shaker box. Here's that Man, that table's table. gotten a lot of play. Yeah, this is what three or four times we've seen it. This is he. This table's appeared in every episode of the Shaker. Yeah. Uh, I do like this table. I, I dislike these trestles down here, but mm-hmm. I like the top and the. I wouldn't mind seeing section. another view of this table. Yeah. Apparently, none exists. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet this is the same candle stand. Yeah, this I like. Um, it's got some interest to it. Mm-hmm. Nice curves. Reminds me of like a Hydra. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got uh, like a tripod kind of stand of curved legs. Mm-hmm. You know, so almost semicircular on the underside. Yeah. Uh, nice, simple round top. It's got good proportions. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call this out as being a shaker standard. Like, if you show this to me and said, what period is this? I don't know if I'd say shaker. Yeah, it's like a very unadorned federal. Mm-hmm. You know, if it had, like, an eagle yeah. in on the top, <laughs> then it's federal. <laughs> Pine cupboard, 1800 to 1850. Now, this is... I like this. Yeah. Are those uh, overlay drawers with an inset door up there? Or? Yeah, just a single... Door. These are just fixed panels. The 
think this is one's from the Met too, and we we did see a picture of it in a previous episode with the door yeah. open. That um, it's just this the base. There's nothing. Is yeah. You, functionally, I don't like that the bottom drawer is just like an inch and a half above the floor. Yeah. And, you know, we've done a lot of talking about the, the asymmetrical drawers, but a lot of what we've seen have symmetrical yeah. drawers. Yeah. Six symmetrical drawers. This is four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, and look at the bottom rail on that door. That's awful. I mean, it, it just kind of jumps out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the flat panels on the side and the framing panel here seems a little weird. Just looks sort of unfinished. Yeah. They're just, you know, nailed on there. Um, and look at the way the top drawer meets the top of the yeah. case. Kind of overlays the, yeah. the nosing. I'm telling you. I, uh, This is the best they got to offer. Here's a narrow cupboard. I bet it's the same one. Yeah. This I like. Yeah, this is probably my favorite piece. I like the raised panel. Mm-hmm. Just a simple, you know, a chamfer, essentially, raised panel. Yeah, tall, thin cupboard with... I like the divisions, nice proportions. This looks like it's a golden ratio between the top and mm -hmm. the bottom. Two doors with the top door divided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it still goes straight down to the floor. Yeah, it got a little bit more of a face frame there at the bottom. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Going the wrong way. What, what the hell? Oh, well, it's letting me. Due to uh, rights restrictions, this image cannot be enlarged, viewed at full screen, or downloaded. Well, thanks a lot. That What sense does that make? Yeah. You could look at it, but only small. Those shakers, man. What's this work table? <laughs> Describe the work table. <laughs> um, it's got thin tapered legs. Yeah, very federal year yeah, legs. Yeah, and it has uh like a three inch apron, and then a six inch drawer underneath of it. That is the weirdest thing. I don't know what these are over here. Hard to tell. It might be more. Oh, you know what? I bet those are drawers. On the side. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah. that's why it's got that big apron yeah, on the yeah, front. Yeah, Um, Not not a real looker. Not uh, elegant or sophisticated. No. Um, I like the, like, if, if you squint at it, it looks okay. pretty good. Yeah, it makes it, makes it like, seem a little bit more squashed up. Well, you just, like... You just see like the the shape of it. The shape looks good, but this whole thing doesn't look good. This drawer situation. I wonder why they have the table overhanging so much. Like on the side, it's got to inhibit where you get into the drawer. Yeah, because it's about a four inch overhang. Uh, so form and function, it, it you know they're in 
conflict there. Here's the rocker. I'm an earth rocker. I like the caning on that seat. Yeah. This is the typical rocker. Nice figured wood. Yeah. I, I like the shape here. The joinery at the bottom that you mentioned there. Yep. Yeah, the the uh, actual rocker. What do you call these things? The, the like skid, I skids I don't or know. something? I, don't know. I think they have a name like the that. The rocker arms? I don't yeah. Know. They have a nice shape to them. I like this little. That's true. And on there. The bridle joint's a really nice touch. Yeah, these finials are nice. This guy was excommunicated after putting those finials on, though. Probably. Huh. That's interesting. Bench. Yeah. This almost looks like a modern interpretation of it. I was going to say, it looks like an art piece almost. Yeah. So these are one piece going up to the crest mm -hmm. rail. These are very shaker, these brackets. I know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this to me is screaming like 1958. Right. It's like the, the supports, the legs are sort of like the silhouette of a chair. Yeah. Seems very high. Yeah. Like a chair height bench. Mm-hmm. With just a, like a... Although I guess a bench and a chair kind of, well, the seat. Yeah, yeah same function. Yeah. Let's say like a three and a half inch top mm -hmm. slat and just a single rail for a back support. This, I mean, I, the I don't like these, but yeah, they're a little balloony. I do like this. I Very could see, funky. I could see modifying that concept, mm -hmm. like the three big main pieces of support, like you know, doing something there, and then two pieces of wood. Yeah, you know, the seat and the the slat. Oops. We'll go see a side chair. It's basically a version of the rocker. Yeah. Without think, the arms. I think uh, we may have seen this um, in a previous episode. Yeah. It's just like a ladder back chair with only one, one uh Oh, yes, ladder. yes. That's their, their single splat chair. Yeah, that can go under the table. Right. Although the table's going to be pretty high if this is going to make it under there. I know. It, it, it Revolving chair. Oh, uh, that's the chair that we kind of liked. Yep. I like it from the seat up. Again, it looks non-shaker. It looks like it came out of the 50s. Yeah. 1950s. <laughs> right? An interpretation of... I don't like the these the fact that these are flat like that. If mm -hmm. they were on edge, like the candlestick table, I see. I like that a little bit more. I don't mind them. I seems weak. Yeah. I wonder if those are. Uh, you think those are four separate pieces? Mm, I think maybe these are probably bridle joints, half lap joint, yeah. and then this is sitting on top. That would be my guess for strength-wise. Otherwise, like you say, the way it, the the central 
pedestal is sitting on them. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure we've seen this is the sewing table. This I like. Yeah. This is the four drawer with two and two above, so it's six drawers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we're seeing a graduated drawers. Mm -hmm. um, I like the frame and panel sides. Now, what's what's on the top? A ruler? Yeah, I guess because it's for sewing. Ah, uh, it's a yardstick. Oh my god! Oh, there's some little beading around the drawers. Yeah, beaded inset. Maybe that's what it is too. The inset just looks so much better. It does. I like this little. Oh cut yeah. Cutaway here. And look on the uh, on the leg. Yeah. This is a really really classy piece compared to the others that we've seen for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I mean if you. Uh, Decrease the overhang on here. Obviously, mm -hmm. don't put a yardstick on the front of it. <laughs> and put some uh, more modern hardware on there. Mm -hmm. You got yourself a nice contemporary piece. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This we've seen. This is the six. Yep. Again. That thing is six, not. Six, all the same size. Just in a box, in a rectangle. Mm-hmm. Really, and I mean the knobs, the placement, I suppose, is functional. But the size and everything, it there for all the talk about their proportion and aesthetics and everything, it, it really lacks those things, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh. I mean, it's super utilitarian looking. Mm-hmm. Well, pine, apple, and pear that's made out of shaker door style. I think go. I may have read this book. One of the first woodworking books I read was uh, the Thomas Moser book on shaker furniture. Yeah, this is the encyclopedia of shaker furniture. <clears throat> I mean, that, that those doors are interesting, especially the... You know, the door in the house. I I find oh, that yeah. interesting. Yeah. With the, the mid-rail being the biggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this to me doesn't scream shaker. No. Um, you see more ornamentation, a larger crown molding. Turn more feet. intricate turnings yeah. here. I wonder if I just had some bad reference material. I mean, I, I did pull from the museum, though. Yeah. Uh, shakers were constantly experimenting with labor-saving devices, and much of their furniture was, ma was made, <laughs> here we go, made with the aid of circular saws, mortising machines, and steam-powered lathes. Using these tools, shaker furniture makers reinterpreted traditional forms with an emphasis on utility and simplicity. Wait a minute, this is this is verbatim from episode one. Who wrote this? 
I think this is where it starts anew. All right. Yeah, built in, freestanding. Okay. Although their attitude toward design was based on religious beliefs, it anticipated in a remarkable way concepts of functionalism that became common about 100 years later. With the arts and crafts movement. Yeah. Uh, when the Shakers began making furniture in the late 18th century, what was the prevailing style in the U.S.? Federal, then American Empire. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> I'm reading off my notes. Uh, well, you don't, have to, you don't have to tell the audience that. Unlike the previous periods of furniture design that we've covered, the Shakers did not react to and were not influenced by outside circumstances. And there was no individual designer, cabinet maker, or visionary driving their aesthetic. But, but there kind of had to be, no? If it was all so similar? Well, I or don't they know. they have a collective consciousness? I think, they, I think a lot of that stuff was, was just discussed. You know, it's like, this is what we're going to do. They, they must have had meetings every day. Hmm. Because they went to church every day. Oh, yeah, probably multiple times a day. Right, and they had those big meeting houses, and, you know, the people who were working in the furniture detail, I don't think they could do whatever they wanted. Right. So they collectively um, came up with yeah, these designs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there weren't any changes in direction. Um, or reversals in reaction to a previous popular style, which, you know, we kind of noticed. You know, mm -hmm. one style is really ornate, so then the next popular style is, is kind of uh, trimmed down. Right. And they didn't attempt to emulate a style from elsewhere. They were guided solely by their beliefs. And uh, the outcome of that is, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So work was the currency of their service. We know this, Rob. <laughs> well, uh, it's a good refresher. Yeah. Because it was two weeks ago when we talked about this. All right. If the world was to be redeemed and restored to God, the Shakers would accomplish it by the dedicated labor of their hands. I mean, those are all, that, that, that's a nice uh, sentiment. Yeah. They believe that God dwelt in the details of their work and in the quality of their craftsmanship. Um, yeah, I'm with them on, on all this. Yeah. <laughs> Minus all, you know, the God stuff, but, you know, yeah. insert whatever may be relevant to you there. Right, what's important. Well, uh, this I love. All their devotion, which no longer went to family or home, was put into what they made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they don't They don't have any family. They, if they're not, do they, do they get married? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, they lived... As brother and sister yeah. in these communes. So, uh, you know, I mean, part of it makes sense. If you think about how much energy our relationships take. Um, That's hard to quantify. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and if you're not worried about, like, uh, what am I going to wear? How, how am I going to do this? How yeah. am I going to do that? Everything's streamlined. 
You know, you have n- nothing to, else to focus on except your work. I want to know about some Shaker foodstuffs. Yeah, well, I, th- I think they were like, must have been vegetables, meat, and potatoes. Mm. That, I don't know. That could be devilish. Yeah. And here's the famous quote, do your work as though you had a thousand years to live and as if you were to die tomorrow. I have uh, more Shaker Maxims because uh, I'm always uh, trying to entertain the public. Maybe these are also falsely contributed to the, uh, or attributed, not contributed, attributed to the Shakers. All right. The Shakers said, don't make something unless it is both made necessary and useful. But if it is both necessary and useful, don't hesitate to make it beautiful. I, you know, we've been looking at a lot of Shaker furniture. Yeah. Some of them look nice. Yeah. That is but best. But most of them just look necessary. Yes, I agree. That is best, which works best. That seems to be mm-hmm. the overriding. <laughs> yeah. I need drawers. This has drawers. All right. Beauty rests on utility. Okay, so they're seeing beautiful and beauty in a completely different way than we are. Yeah. If you change the definition of a word, you can... Mm-hmm. You must not lose one moment of time, for you have none to spare. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty severe. Yeah. They must have been putting in long days in the furniture shop. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that is a, you know, you could maybe change the wording on that a little bit. That is a good, uh, um, don't waste to have. Right. Don't waste your time. Yeah. Like the idea you're living on borrowed time. Yeah. Simplicity is the embodiment of purity and unity. All right. No buttons for them. Beauty rests on utility. I just read that. (laughs) That which has in itself the highest use possesses the greatest beauty. They're just saying the same thing. It just changes the words around. That's it. Beauty rests on utility. That which is beautiful has the highest use. They apparently were not poets. (laughs) They invented poetry. (laughs) Many examples of Shaker furniture survive and are preserved today, including such popular forms as Shaker tables, chairs, rocking chairs, and cabinets, which are said to have Shaker doors, known for being flat paneled with rail and frames. Collections of Shaker furniture are maintained by many art and historical museums in the United States and the United Kingdom, as well as numerous private collections, including the Shaker Tilting Chair. Hmm. <laughs> I know you're going to find this funny, but I, I think I read that they invented that little, um, you know, like the little feet you put at the bottom of furniture on legs that, yeah, that tilt, that the Shakers invented that. Allegedly. Yes. 
Um, the underlying principles of Shaker design have given inspiration to some of the finest designers of modern furniture. Shaker ladderback chairs, for instance, deeply influenced the work of an entire generation of post-war Danish designers, and we'll discuss their lasting influence in our next episode. Hmm, Is that a teaser? That. I could see that. Oh, yeah. There you go. Well, we thought we might turn it around on the Shakers this episode, but it doesn't seem to be going in that direction. No, I think, if I remember, I think their influence on some other designers and people, uh, I think I probably have some quotes in there from people like Nakashima and mm-hmm. um, there's the Bauhaus school, like a bunch of stuff that... Yeah, I could it, see like Wegener, guys, you know, those... Mm-hmm. Same thing. These these post World War Two, um, you know, mid century kind of design. Right. Like, what was that band we were talking about? That you know, we don't really listen to them, but everybody cites them as some kind of. Uh, jo- Joni Mitchell. Yes. Right. We don't really. We're not big fans of Joni Mitchell, but everybody says that she was a huge influence. Yeah. On yeah. Yeah. Like. I think I tried to, because I heard it so many times, I tried to listen to it. I'm like, what is this? (laughs) So I think that the Shakers have a bit of a legacy like that. Yeah. Um, And so we don't mean to beat them down. No, no. Um, They were like this intermediary. They stripped away all the things from these previous designs that they saw saw as unnecessary. which made it easier for other people to see the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, therefore the shakers were the influence and not, you know, these previous uh, designs. Yeah, Uh, an interesting lot. Yeah. Um, Not as as clear-cut a a group as I initially thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of contradictions in their... um, you know, they're. I'm, I mean, I guess we're not talking to Shakers. We're, this is all kind of like secondhand in a way. Right. So maybe we're not giving um, them a fair shake on like their beliefs and stuff like that. This yeah. is all written by non Shakers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which you got to take that into account too. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who are writing this history are. They're looking at it through the lens of their. Um, opinion on the Shakers because right. the Shakers aren't the ones who are keeping this history. Exactly. So maybe, you know, you've asked a Shaker and they're going to say, no, 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 we didn't do that or we, we're we not claiming this. And um, maybe some of these things were put upon them. Yeah, because if you have this romantic view of this certain group and you're studying them and writing this history, which you have to basically fabricates the wrong word but you're creating this a mythology almost yeah because they're not they weren't keeping records of their um they weren't writing their own history right um and it wasn't until the 1930s where those people even started right so yeah you're i mean the writer of that history is bound to influence it in some way Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point um what do you think about the Shaker furniture in general? You think we got a good representative slice? 
Um, yeah, I mean, because we looked at probably two dozen pieces. And they're from the Met. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, like we've been saying, there's a lot of talk of, uh, sophistication and elegance. Right. We didn't really see too much of that. No, it's very crude. I'll agree. It's almost, it reminds me mostly of the, um, Pennsylvania Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. Whereas there's more similarities than differences, and ain't nobody calling that sophisticated. Right, that's like folk art. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came into popularity around the same time. Yeah, 1920s, 1930s. I, I mean, we'll, we'll, I almost feel like the Shaker influence is what we're. Um, judging in a way with all the, the it's people who took the shaker ideals and then created something that was a little bit more elegant a little bit more sophisticated yeah um, people who came after the shakers mm-hmm. um, like uh, you know like all the guys we mentioned so what do you think well, we'll see. Maybe we can change our opinion around in the fourth episode, but keep an open mind. What do, What's the next episode called? Shaker Aesthetic and its lasting influence. Oh, yeah. So we're going to start talking about the um, the influence. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll uh, feel some more significance. Yeah, we could. Let's read this little teaser here. Given that they only flourished for about 100 years... It's incredible to know how many books have been published on their lives, inventions, design, aesthetic, and craftsmanship. In many ways, they were ahead of their time. (laughs) I wrote this down. A Google search for Shaker Furniture yields 31 million results. Wow. So there you go. Uh, All I did was type in Google, uh, typed in Shaker Furniture, and that's what I got back. Wow. So. Yeah. um, Super influential somehow some way yeah i guess we got we got a little bit of time here maybe we can talk about what's going on in the shop what's gonna be you know this is gonna be uh this it's just so you know if you're listening to this it's february 10th so this is old information by the time you get it um because this is this will be into march this episode um so yeah this week we uh we set up the paint booth. That that finally showed up. We've been uh, plugging away on the walnut L-shaped banquette, the uh, the oak banquette with the dark dark vesting finish. That's uh, currently living inside Rob's house. <laughs> I, I I smashed my shin into it last night because it's it's in a spot that didn't used to have a piece of furniture. So I'm walking through the kitchen out into the dining room last night and cracked my shin oh, right man. on it. <laughs> yeah, that'll be uh, living in there until June, yeah. apparently, when the client will be ready for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be used to it by then. Yeah, you put a piece of foam on it. <laughs> uh, I think we have our uh, finished rep coming tomorrow. I, b- I better check in with him mm-hmm. um, to demo this paint. With us, this I guess they don't call it paint, they call it a wood finishing product. Um, Malaise 1k, um, pre cat. (laughs) That's not pretentious, is it? Yeah, 
Um, yeah, and then I think uh, John's actually going to come by on Monday. We might shoot a little video about that whole thing, the the 3M PPS system and the paint line booth. So the booth is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it worked really well. Uh, it seemed expensive. You mm-hmm. know, it's an inv- it's an investment like right. any tool. It's not a disposable thing, even though it's completely portable. Right. Um, so you have to wrap your mind around that uh, aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, so it's a $2,500 system. If you if you save an hour on setup and breakdown and cleanup every time you paint, well, how many times do you have to paint to pay it off? Exactly. Plus, you're, you're you know, going to get a better a better finish in there because it's got the the blower and everything and um it's a paint booth yeah it's it's literally like installing a paint booth into our little shop yeah and then we could just break it down and put it away right because it's not just a tent where it stops overspray from going somewhere Mm -hmm. it's it's vented there's a filter system yeah it's cool it's really cool. Really well made. Um, yeah, the aluminum extrusions were really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, got has the liners that are made specifically for it. So you get a five-sided booth. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a, a – we sprayed 22 ounces totally willy-nilly. <laughs> exactly. And there wasn't one drop of one dot dust of overspray outside of the booth. Yeah. Um. And it, it went together. I mean, we just were looking at a bag full of parts, and it mm-hmm. went together just as uh, the instructions said, Yeah, which was nice. I mean, I'd say the bag that it goes in is probably seven feet long by eight inches by four inches, something like that. Yeah. So you got that. You have the bag that the, um, the filter holder goes in, which is like 24 by 24 by three or something mm-hmm. that's really it yeah you, know, you got liners and the filters and the mo the blower the, the biggest yeah. thing really the blower is you know whatever two foot cube kind of size um and the hose the hose or the duct work has a bag built into mm-hmm. it so it just it folds inside of itself and snaps up it's really cool yeah, you really could go to a job site or a, or a home even and mm-hmm. set this up and be confident. Oh yeah, I mean you could you could set it up in somebody's dining room and spray the kitchen cabinet doors inside mm-hmm. of it if you wanted. Yeah, um, you could just vent it. It doesn't even have to be vented outside. Like you know, I've seen guys using them in garages and just you just vent it into the garage. Yeah, because the air that comes out on the other side has been filtered already. Right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even give you know weighing in the cost of it and everything, I I think it's uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what what's it called again? Paint line. Paint line portable spray booth. Yeah. And um, you don't have to use the that blower. You know they have um different si- There's different types of blowers that you can buy. That that the blower is, you know, one of the most expensive parts. Like a thousand bucks for the blower. Yeah. It's made in South Carolina. It's it's super quiet. Um, you know, you get a Harbor Freight blower and run it with that. And then <laughs> yeah. you know, you're talking about cutting the price in half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that goes, that cuts against our shaker uh, yeah, aesthetic. That's true. 
<laughs> so what else we got going on? Um, well, we're here doing our podcast. Say, what about the uh, the waffle? Oh uh, yeah. Well, what is this? Two episodes since we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe by now we're raffling off this cherry bench, um, and you can enter to win it. So. Uh, Speaking in in hypotheticals because we don't know what we did. This is three weeks after we talked about it. Um, yeah, think about selling tickets. Fifty dollars a ticket for the uh, the bench. You win it. It shows up at your door. All you had right. to do was enter enter with the fifty dollar ticket. So um, yeah, we'll see. I think we're pro- we're probably gonna end up doing it. So you could go over the website and find it. Includes freight and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you know you could win a five thousand dollar bench for fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good deal. Yeah, shit. Worst case, you're out fifty bucks. Yeah, and uh, I was gonna say, and you support um, some local craftsmen, but we don't yeah. really. Um, well, we're local enough. Yeah, yeah, or U.S. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's just good to the lower 48 states. Yeah, because we don't know what, you know. I don't think we can afford to ship it. Uh, no, yeah, we'd have to we'd have to make a we'd have to sell more tickets and then it makes it not, you know, then everybody's odds are lower. You're right, right. So you got a 1 in 100 chance to win it. That's not bad odds. No. What's a Super Bowl box? How many uh, I don't know. Is it 10 by 10? Uh, I don't know. It must be because it's zero and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, right? I don't know. I haven't bought a box in, man, I couldn't tell you. Let's see. What are the odds Super Bowl box? Bod. Super Bowl bod. Didn't autocorrect that. Don't you hate that when it autocorrects all kinds of ridiculousness? Uh, it does look like it's 10 by 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Yeah, 10 by 10. So it's the same odds as winning a Super Bowl pool. Yeah, but don't those, don't all the boxes, not all the boxes go off. Yeah, I forget how it works. I think the way it works is there's the one box going down and the one box going across. Yeah. And it's the first number and the second number. So if it's like, you know, I don't know why I bring it, brought it up because. Because <laughs> clearly we, neither we, of us know how it works. We're not gamblers. No. Yeah, no, if someone was like, hey, you want to do the box? Yeah, well, okay, whatever. And then I don't know how it works. But I think with 100 boxes, it's it's the same odds or similar odds. Yeah. Well, doesn't the box go off like every quarter? Yeah. yeah. Different. Um, I guess you would have a different box, a different board. No, no. Like if, let's say the score is 10-10 at the end of the first quarter and it's right. 10-10 at the end of the second quarter, you win again. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so the what we would do is, uh, you know, you would buy your ticket and then you get uh, to pick a number between one and a hundred. If we're selling a hundred tickets, so you know, you say, all right, I want to be twenty-five, and we'll have a list on the website, a running list of all the 
the the number and the <coughs> name that way keep everybody honest yeah uh, so you would pick from the remaining numbers and then uh, we pick a number and that person wins we create it up and it gets sent to your house how are we going to pick the number with a random number generator there you go so it's all fair and on the level mm-hmm Yeah. Well, I guess that's all we got for you. Yeah. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to wrap up the shaker, and then after that, we're going to get into arts and crafts. I have to tell you, arts and crafts is quite meaty. I bet. Those might be some long episodes. Yeah, I'm um, well over 20 pages on it. Well, all right. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Ciao.